0: This is kind of fun. Just saw this post on our Facebook page after hours with Amy Lawrence listening to you from 37,000 feet in the air headed home to Orlando via Atlanta from L.A. Well, that's quite a journey. At least you didn't have to go completely out of your way. I will be headed from New Jersey to Houston coming up in, oh gosh, we'll call it nine hours. But my final wedding appointments this weekend because... (gasps) We're one month out. On Friday, one month out. It seemed like the year went by so slowly. And now that it's a month away, my head is spinning. Not really wedding plans, more everything else that goes along with having to merge two households. (laughs) But yes, headed to Houston this weekend, hoping that there are no travel snafus. I got things to do. Got appointments to keep. Uh, But as I think about it, next week is thanksgiving which is the most heavily traveled holiday of the year for obvious reasons because pretty much every american celebrates thanksgiving or the vast majority where not every american celebrates christmas Uh, there are obviously different holidays at the end of the year right so whether it's the jewish holidays whether it's christmas whether it's uh, something else we don't all celebrate christmas but pretty much every american acknowledges thanksgiving and takes that four-day weekend as well, and sometimes expands it to a full week. Or in my case, in Jay's case, we're taking an extended uh, few days off from the show. But we will be here on Sunday night into Monday because it's Week 11 in the NFL, and boy, every single week you've got teams that are adjusting to life without their starting quarterbacks. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Also, Week 12 in college football, uh, new number one with the latest. Playoff rankings, and so it's intriguing to see what happens through the rest of the schedule. There's not much left to go. Conference championships are right around the corner. So a lot of football on this edition of the show. I'm not checking out early. I'm here. I survived the shed. I will share the story. (laughs) So make sure that you find us on Twitter, After Hours CBS. That's where our Game of the Week poll is, plus our Facebook page where Sammy posted that he's listening from midair. Uh, Just don't jump out of that plane unless you are, well, if you're jumping tandem. That's what I did when I went skydiving. There's a video on our YouTube channel to prove it. We are going to keep our feet firmly on the ground for now anyway. And even as we get into week 11, yeah, you're still talking about teams that are having to adjust and be flexible and in some cases, almost start all over again, like the Cleveland Browns, who will not have Deshaun Watson the rest of the year.
1: We are, you know, very disappointed and devastated for Deshaun, um, especially given all that he has battled and gone through, you know, medically, you know, this season, and especially in light of, um, you know, how well he's played since, um, you know, since his, uh, you know, most, know, most um, uh, most recent injury. I'm still in disbelief. I'm still, as I said, just trying to process all the information that I've I've been getting since last night. Um, it, it's tough, you know. I've, you know, felt like we were turning a corner to really make a run, and uh, you know, I we I still believe we still will, you know, with the guys in this locker room.
0: Definitely a bombshell, not just for the Cleveland Browns, but for the AFC North and really around the NFL. to Have yet another starting quarterback be gone. For the season you hear Andrew Barry the GM fumbling around to find the words but they do have a winning record and they are tied for second place in the AFC North so they must soldier on we're pleased to welcome Mary Kay Cabot one of our favorites from cleveland.com and the plane dealer longtime insider who covers the Browns well let's begin with the injury news Mary Kay what's the mood around the team since Tuesday what's the mood around the locker room right now.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. The team, you know, they are putting on that brave face and they are staying as positive as they possibly can. They have a unified message of, you know, we can get the job done. We are moving forward. We still have all of our goals and hopes and dreams in front of us. Uh, You know, they're talking about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl in 2017 when Jim Schwartz was there with a backup quarterback. They're talking about Brock Purdy helping the 49ers to – the NFC championship game last year. So, uh, you know, they are all putting their heads down and realizing that they have a championship defense and they feel like they can still get where they want to go.
0: But there's certainly a lot of extra pressure on that defense. What have the guys on that side of the ball had to say about this new challenge?
2: Well, I talked to Obo Okoronkwo yesterday. About this and and he actually said you know I think we have the best defense of all time not just this season but of all time so that's the kind of message that is coming out of this locker room they are fired up still about what they have and they are not going to let this get them down now of course it's going to be way way easier said than done Uh, the Browns face the Steelers on Sunday And, you know, they they have a tough road ahead of them, of course, with a rookie quarterback. Um, But they are they are not letting anyone see them sweat right now.
0: On the offensive side of the ball, who becomes the leader with a rookie quarterback? Who comes alongside him, uh, whether it's in the huddle or whether it's on the sidelines to help him out as he faces situations that he's never seen before?
2: Well, you know, remember that this is a football team that already lost its star running back in Nick Chubb for the season. So this has just been, uh, you know, almost, you know, a season of getting punched in the gut a little bit for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, But I would have to say that, you know, I think it will be Deshaun helping out DTR. They're good friends. They were already good friends before DTR even showed up here on the doorstep in Cleveland. And I think that Deshaun is going to do everything that he can to be around him to help him to help him study to prepare and to try to help him you know get this team to the playoffs
0: dorian thompson robinson if for people who aren't familiar with him kevin Stefanski goes with the rookie who did get a start in the first month of the season why him over pj walker who filled in most of the time when deshaun was injured earlier in the year
2: well, if you look at P.J.'s stat line, I mean, he's a gutsy player and, and he did the best he could. Uh, but he has one touchdown, five interceptions, one lost fumble, a 51.3 rating, I think it is. And I just think that they felt like they needed better production from that position. And they truly believe in their heart of hearts that DTR, when given a, a better opportunity to not get thrown in with two and a half hours notice, uh, will do a better job than T.J. will. It remains to be seen, but that's what the organizational thinking is right now.
0: What skill set, what abilities do you see in him, have you seen in him since he joined the Browns?
2: Well, there are a lot of things to like about DTR. He throws a nice football. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that he does really have a very, very strong arm. So that's one thing. I think you can look for some of those explosive downfield to Amari Cooper. Uh, You know, it it just always seems like whenever they need that big play, the Cleveland Browns can look downfield, find Amari, and they have their, you know, whatever, 40-yard pass, 50-yard pass. So I think that you will see him uh, trying to make some of those explosives. And then he's a dual-threat quarterback like Deshaun. Uh, So, you know, he runs around and, uh, you know, he improvises and he will try to make those off-schedule plays just like Deshaun did not at that level, like a more of a, a mini Deshaun. <laughs> He's a gunslinger, though. He he sometimes thinks that uh, he can make a play that he can't. And I, I think we saw some of those things in that first game against the Baltimore Ravens that he played and lost that 28 3 game. But, uh, you know, you have to remember he found out two and a half hours before that game that he was starting. Right. He was the moment was too big for him. It shouldn't have been, but it was. And he has made sure to correct it. He was not really ready for that moment, and he's definitely going to be ready or more ready for this one.
0: We're always excited to have Mary Kay Cabot with us from Cleveland, longtime Browns beat writer for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm glad you said that. What makes you so sure that he is ready and equipped for the moment
2: now? Well, just from a preparation standpoint, it's night and day. And that's the phrase that he's been using. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him what will happen next time out. And he said night and day. He repeated it again today. And that is because he knows now what he didn't know then. And that is that you have to study. You have to know your playbook. You have to know the play sheet. You, you have to know the game plan. You have to be watching film of your opponent. And, and he just was not prepared to that for that level against the Ravens. This week, even when we were done talking to him today, he went straight over to his locker, he got out the playbook, and he was sitting there studying like crazy. And so I think from that standpoint, it's like he is preparing for the CPA exam or something like that. This <laughs> time. I mean, he is, uh, you know, it's not going to be because of lack of preparation if this does not go well for him. Uh, he, he is just going to do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that he knows what's going on, that the game is a little bit slower for him than it was on October 1st. And again, it's not going to be easy. We're talking about TJ Watt and we're talking about Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward. And Cam Hayward was already talking about look, here's what we're going to do to a rookie quarterback. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin are 24 and 5 against rookie quarterbacks. So that is obviously a very daunting stat and, you know, it's a lot to overcome, but they already beat some of the odds in Baltimore last weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think I think this team feels like you can throw any of those stats out the window right now.
0: The run game has managed to establish itself or maybe reinvent itself with the loss of Nick Chubb. As devastating as that was, Jerome Ford, he was out for a little bit, but he's back. He's over 500 yards. Kareem Hunt rejoined the team. He had a big touchdown last week and in fact seems to uh, be right in the thick of the action. How have you seen the run game and the offensive line rise to the occasion?
2: Well, you know, they figured it out. And that's another major change since when they lost to those Baltimore Ravens on October 1st. They have gotten it together. They are running by committee and doing a really nice job of it. And as you mentioned, the one-two punch of Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, it's been dynamite. One silver lining of losing Nick Chubb is that it, it enabled one of his best friends in the whole world, Kareem Hunt, to come back here. And nobody wants to try to win the, a Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns more than hometown boy Kareem Hunt. So, you know, he's out there, uh, you know, just plowing forward for touchdowns. He's got six touchdown runs already. Uh, he has them in five straight games. Uh, and then you have Jerome who can hit the home run at any time. They're number two in the NFL in rushing without Nick Chubb. Uh, so I think that's been remarkable for them and that will help. Uh, DTR when they go out there on Sunday. The other thing is Nick Chubb went down in the Steelers game and he had his second surgery this week. Uh, He's out there posting, you know, photos of himself holding the Batman mask. (laughs) I think this is going to be a rallying cry for them on Sunday against the Steelers. They have dedicated their season to Nick Chubb. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to go out there on Sunday and make sure that they do right by him.
0: How would you describe the emotions from Sunday when they rally past the Ravens in Baltimore after being down 14 points to begin that fourth quarter? Uh, the huge pick six by Greg Newsom, of course, the missed extra point, which kind of added to it. And then finding out this news about Deshaun Watson being lost for the season on Tuesday.
2: It's been such a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, everybody was so shocked when, you know, when we all heard about this. You know, nothing slipped out. They kept this locked down. Everybody did. Nowadays, things slip out everywhere. Right. This did not. So when they made that announcement, it was like thunder. Right. Brownstown was riding so high. I think everyone thought, okay, now they've got the quarterback to go along with the defense. Let's roll. And then once again, uh, you know, I, I, I basically said the factory of, of sadness, you know, turned down another lemon here ah. for Brownstown. But you know what? That's not how they're looking at it. I'm immediately, immediately, this football team, you know, went into, let's change the narrative on this. Let's not make this be a death sentence for this football team. You know, let's make sure that everyone knows uh, from top to bottom and throughout this whole entire community that we are not giving up on everything we hope to accomplish this season. But I'll tell you, it has been a roller coaster of emotions
0: mary Kay cabot is with us from cleveland it's after hours here on cbs sports radio i know that you interact with a lot of fans through your writing and also podcasts and tv reports do you think the fan base shares the optimism that you are expressing from the locker room
2: you know i think people are so excited about the defense that that there is some belief that they can get this done but there's also some skepticism. It strains credulity to think that a fifth round rookie who went out and basically just got crushed by the Baltimore Ravens can take this team to where it wants to go. But hope always springs eternal in Brownstown. <laughs> and I, I do think that, you know, there is belief here that they can keep this thing rolling along in part because they have some winnable games. Now, of course, this is going to be a really, really difficult out on Sunday. But when you look ahead to the rest of the schedule, the Browns in terms of DVOA of uh, average of their opponent are about 24th in terms of strength of schedule. There are plenty of winnable games left on the schedule whereas uh, the Bengals and the Ravens, they have a much much tougher road the you know the rest of the way. So I do think there is some thought that they can somehow some way find their way into the playoffs. And then they hope that they can ride that running game we've talked about Mm. and whatever DTR can give them uh, and their dominant, dominant defense and still make some noise this season.
0: Mary Kay, you mentioned the AFC North there. definitely is the best division in football. Even as the Bengals lose on Thursday night and fall to five and five, there isn't a team that is below 500. So now having seen more than half the season
2: with the division. What are your impressions? You know, I 100% believe that it is the best division in football. And the unfortunate thing right at the moment, now Deshaun is out, and nobody really seems to know exactly what's going on with Joe Burrow yet. That's a, a soul crusher right there for for anyone in Cincinnati right now. Right. I mean, you know, they may have had an opportunity to go out and win that game, do something that they never do in prime time on the road and keep themselves really firmly in that hunt. And so, you know, this whole AFC North right right now took a jolt. I remember looking at this week. This was such a huge week for the AFC North with this big, enormous game on Thursday night. And then you fast forward to Steelers and Browns on Sunday, and you can circle this in red on your calendar and say, this is where it was kind of won or lost right here. And what was really lost was Deshaun Watson and then who knows about Joe Burrow for, I don't know if it's a, a week or two weeks or what's going on there, but it really is shaking up the division right now. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to say where this is going to go now.
0: Right. Uh, what does the future hold for Deshaun Watson, whether it's in the immediate or down the road?
2: Well, first, he has to undergo the surgery to repair the, the fractured glenoid bone And I talked to one doctor the other day who said that he thinks he should be back to full football activity in about six months from that. Now, I talked to another doctor who said he thinks that he can get back, you know, much sooner than that. But if full football activity happens in six months, that would have him on the field sometime around May. And, you know, you just have to hope that he comes back the way that he left, because I think he showed in the second half of that. Ravens game you know what he's all about and that he still is uh, the quarterback that the Browns spent 230 million dollars (laughs) on and spent three draft three first-round draft picks to acquire
0: Mary Kay I didn't know this until I was checking out your Twitter but Jim Donovan the longtime voice of the Browns is returning for Sunday's game against Pittsburgh what does he mean to fans but also to the organization
2: Oh, uh, Jimmy's the best. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. I know you've heard him on the call. Yes. Uh, you know, he. no one does it better than Jimmy, and I think that's going to be, you know, just another source of inspiration for this football team, which, again, kind of got kicked this week. And I think that, you know, Jimmy coming back is is going to lift everyone up and in the same way that they have dedicated their their season – to Nick Chubb, I think that uh, there are plenty of players who are going to dedicate that game to Jimmy Donovan's return.
0: It's one thing I always say whenever I talk to Mary Kay, and that is never a dull moment around the Cleveland Browns. Even now at 6-3, and three, which is amazing, in the toughest division in football, still many challenges and much adversity to overcome. You can find her on Twitter at Kate C-A-B-O-T. C-A-B-O-T. Longtime longtime beat writer for the Cleveland Browns, insider uh, for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. And it's always great to catch up with you. We do it about once a season or so. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and thank you. You too. You take care. Thanks a lot. She makes a great point about this week in the AFC North. And I would say even going back to last week, starting with the Browns, At the Ravens on Sunday. And then this Thursday night game. As I talked about the Ravens. Could they get two wins in five days against division opponents? And if they could, to me, they would clearly be the class of the AFC. Even more battle-tested than Kansas City. Now they lost to the Browns in a fourth-quarter rally. They ended up beating the Bengals. And now, as she pointed out... This week features Browns and Steelers. But wow, does it look decidedly different. Because Deshaun Watson's gone and it's up to a rookie. The offensive side of the ball, he needs to rely on his run game. Now, the offensive line a little bit in flux. But Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, those two guys, they set the tone. They should set the tone. That's still the strength of the Cleveland Browns. And if you heard her at the beginning there, she referenced how Dorian is drawing inspiration from guys like Rock Purdy. Last year as the last, as in dead last, draft pick in 22. And yet when he's pressed into duty, the Niners don't lose again until the NFC Championship game. Why? Well, he certainly is a smart quarterback who can make the throws. But what always stood out to me, what still stands out to me about Brock Purdy is he does not try to do everything himself. He does like to to fling the ball around, but he's not a gunslinger. That's not his mentality. His mentality is to trust the people around him, trust the offense, to execute it the way that it's drawn up and believe in it, be committed to it can Dorian Thompson-Robinson do two things? Can he stick to the game plan? Can he execute the game plan without getting willy-nilly? And can he take care of the football? Any young quarterback, if you can execute the game plan, and you have to know the game plan to execute the game plan, and can you prevent turnovers or limit turnovers, you're already ahead of the game. As a young QB, to me, those are the most important things. Then you start to learn about Reading defenses. Then, as you gain more experience, you know when to throw the ball away. Then, you recognize taking a humongous risk. Throwing the ball down the field. Cross body into double coverage. Yeah, that's not necessary. Live to fight another day. Those are all lessons that come with experience. And there's no shortcut to experience. But the two things that you can control. Execute the game plan. Do what you're told to do. (laughs) Especially relying on your veterans, and then don't turn the ball over. Protect that like you're in eighth grade home ec class, and it's the egg that you had to carry around for a week with your partner. What's the after hours game of the week? If it's not Bengals and Ravens on Twitter, a Law Radio on our Facebook page too. I am pleasantly surprised that the Vikings and Broncos have received. Several votes. Probably you can count them on one hand, but several votes. Speaking of numbers, speaking of contests and polls, things that we want you involved in, ways to participate. Producer Jay has some news for you. The After Hours Zoom Room. We've got five names. Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy almost Friday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here on After Hours, we like you as much as you like us.
1: Hey, what's going on? I love the show. Thanks for thank having you. me on. Hey, enjoying your show, Amy. I'm normally not up to hear you, but you got a hell of a show. Thank you. So. Hi, Amy. I remember uh, talking with you when you very first started on CBS. You're such a superstar. Amy, thank you for taking my call. First time calling, <laughs> listening to your show every morning as I travel into Boston. First time caller than any sports show ever, <laughs> so you are kind of taking my sports show virginity right now. Okay,
0: well but... it's not creepy at all. <laughs>
4: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
0: The week flew by. It really did. And I'm excited about Thanksgiving. If you do not agree with me that Thanksgiving is the best meal of the year, well... You're wrong. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I had stated my goals publicly for the holiday season about a week and a half ago. Producer Jay and I were discussing them. And I asked him, because he's the other half of the show, uh, what he felt about these three goals that I had. The first one was to do an After Hours Zoom room between... Thanksgiving, and the start of December. So we want it to be a holiday flair. It'll be kind of our kickoff to the holidays. We're going to do ugly sweater contest. It'll be super fun. And the way to participate was to guess a number between one and a thousand. I got to tell you, we were inundated with guesses, which was really cool. And I love that some of you went with seven or numbers in the single digits. And others of you went with kind of quirky looking numbers, 777-999, that type of thing. The number actually, and I wrote this down before we even put the post up on social, 346. I took a photo of it. I don't ask, I have no idea where the number came from. I took a photo of it. I gave it to Producer Jay and I kept it on my phone. I wrote the date on it so you would all know that we did not change it. This was the number and yeah, We put it out there for a week, and Jay had to go back and tabulate all of the various close guesses to see if he could come up with five that were within range, five that we could invite for the after hours Zoom room, and he tells me, mission accomplished.
4: We have five names, although no one hit it directly on the button. That would have been really hard How close? How close? The closest guess we had was by a Kyle on Twitter with 338.
0: So the closest was eight.
4: Eight, within eight. Okay. Yeah. That was the closest guess. Mm-hmm. The next after that. That's pretty
0: amazing considering there are a thousand numbers you could pick.
4: Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, the next after that was 357 by a Patty on Facebook. And then we had a 337. Wait,
0: 357, so that's 11. Right. And
4: then we had okay. a 337 by an Anthony on Twitter. Wait, 337 would
0: be nine, Jay.
4: Right, 337. Okay, so I mixed those up. So right. that was the second highest, and then it was Patty. And then we had a Grayson on Facebook with 334 and a Crazy Granny on Twitter with 358.
0: She must have a name. Do you think that she goes by that in, I don't know. in public at the grocery store? Hey, Crazy Granny. Maybe, I suppose, if you've earned it and you wear it proudly.
4: If she answers the Zoom room uh, saying, call me Crazy Granny, I guess that's what we're going to have to
0: do. Mm, I don't think so. I'll just say Hi. Yo, yo, what's up? (laughs) Uh, I do think that she sends me tweets all the time, though, which is nice. Okay, so how are we reaching out to said winners?
4: So if you're on Twitter, I will have to just comment on the post on the on the you know the post within the post itself. Send
0: them a tweet. Yeah,
4: send them a tweet, and then you'll have to send me your email, and then after that, I'll you know we'll we'll I'll get into that, and then on Facebook, if you want on Facebook, I'll direct message, Facebook message you from my personal
3: Facebook, which you could do on <gasps> Jay's Facebook. She's brave. So.
0: I don't use anything with my personal Facebook when it comes to the show. Negative.
3: Yeah, I don't have a personal Facebook. so No? I, I Does your wife? Um, I think so. Mm.
0: Because my mom doesn't have one either, but she uses mine. <laughs> she just leaves it open on her computer, and there are times where I'll see her comments to older friends or family members, and it'll... Hmm. It'll be my Facebook page, like my moniker, and yet it's not me. And uh, Hmm. so my Facebook tells me I commented on this post or that, and I know I did not, and so then it's my mom. Huh. Yeah. Her husband won't let her have one, so she uses mine. (laughs) (laughs) He hates social media. So he doesn't, he just thinks that the, you know, they're spying on you, which is probably true. I mean. Everything's spying on you.
3: you (laughs) Yeah. You you can't really just, you know, sit in the house and close the lights and. You know, put the tin foil hat on. At some point, you got to you know engage.
0: Uh, I she teaches school. She's a full time teacher, so she engages. Hey, you're day.
3: talking about the, you're talking to the guy who doesn't have Facebook. No, I get mm-hmm. it. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. I'm just saying you can't just avoid everything because you're afraid of stuff. It's different if you don't want. No, it. he's
0: not afraid of it. He just doesn't want that to. Ha- Never mind, doesn't matter. I don't have to explain my family to <laughs> I you. Do I need you It's what? fine. Do what you want. He's not afraid. He just doesn't want the, to, there to be that presence. But then she uses mine. So it's just under someone else's email. I mean, the Facebook is selling our stuff to the Chinese, but so is TikTok. So I guess either I, one of those is is, is
3: I'll bow same. out because I don't know anything. I've never even seen Facebook like open in front of me. I know what it is. Really? I'm aware of it. I never had any interest in it and I still don't. Hmm. Are you going to let your kids use social? Uh, If they want, when they get older, yeah. I mean, I have Twitter. Uh, It's not like I'm adverse to all this, but it was more of a work thing than it is to, uh, I have no, look, I'll be fair. And this is no offense to any of the people that I, if I haven't mm, kept up with you from like, you know, 16, 17 years old, there's a good chance there was a reason why. That doesn't mean that I don't, you know, if I'd run into you, want to talk to you for five minutes, but I'm pretty sure that we uh, don't need to, you know, spend more time talking than that.
0: I got you. I can't stand birthdays on social media. To me, that is such a sham. I don't even have my birthday on social because I don't want people that I haven't heard from in a year to send me some birthday message as though we're BFFs. Yeah, so social media is not social and it's not media. It's the opposite of both those things, so I understand. If if I didn't need it for work, I would get off of it and never go back.
3: Basically, it's this. It's usable in a lot of different ways. It's the fake element that Mm. I have no interest in. And unfortunately, just like anything else, a good idea and a good concept, but there's too much fake that comes with it that it kind of drowns out.
0: And porn bots. They're everywhere. I thought Elon Musk was going to clean up. Oh, yeah. There's there's all kinds of of porn and just plain old regular bots uh, on Facebook. I'm constantly having to clean them off our show Facebook page. They pop up every day.
4: Mm. You ever notice the comment sections on any given video or anything? If you go on Twitter, like any sports video, whatever, highlight video, you click it to see the comments or reactions. Nothing to do with what the video posted. It's all just bots or click this link, click this link. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not surprising.
0: It's supposed to be the way that Elon was cleaning up Twitter. X. uh, I'm not calling it that. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) If I say X, most people won't even know what I'm talking about.
3: (laughs) it's no. Technically not. Twitter. Also,
0: he's getting sued for that. So he may not be able to keep X. Oh, really? X marks the spot.
3: This, that I was unaware of.
0: Yeah. There's uh, I don't remember, remember the catalyst for the lawsuit, but it's something to do with copyright infringement and that logo and that name belongs to
3: another company. Mm. Mm. So when you got a lot of money, you just don't follow any of the, the rules that go along with Yeah, way welcome that to okay. the
0: United States of America. That's, that's nice. But yeah. That's nice. I mean, it's not just here. It's, it, yes, money Money very often tends to convince
3: people they have special privileges. So I wonder what it would be after that because he's obviously not going to go back to Twitter. Why? But, I mean, why? He changed it for a reason. No, why?
0: To <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> y, he'll uh, go from X yeah, to Y. That doesn't sound right. Z. I don't know. How about T? I,
3: don't, I don't that's know. N. I mean, that's the whole back in the day with the WWF to the WWE because they couldn't get the website from.
0: So apparently crazy granny is Teresa. She just, she's listening and she just sent us a tweet. That's awesome. Well, I don't really like to call people crazy, although I am crazy. So my motto is find people in life who are, you're kind of crazy. That's why Marco and I get along so well. <laughs> anyway, um, Teresa, ma'am, congratulations. We hope that you'll join us on the after hour zoom room, but yes, ugly sweaters are required. Marco, would you like to be part of the after-hour Zoom room?
3: Oh, I didn't come close. What did did I pick? Like 20-something? 12, 10? I think
4: it might have been in the 400s, actually. Okay.
3: I thought I was actually like in the single, closer to the single digits. You guys sent me pick a number. I was kind of like 10. I I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't think I came anywhere near...
0: Three We'll make the announcement again later in the show. Jay also told me we nearly had to invite 10 people because yeah. there was one very popular answer that was just outside the top five and that had we not gotten another one that was inside that bullseye, so to speak, uh, he would have had to invite five other people to the it after like hours Zoom legit, room. One of the last numbers that I was it three three three. Right. Yes, because people know that's my favorite number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are smart, but actually, I never thought of that. <laughs> anyway, congratulations! The after hours holiday Zoom room. We hope to do that the week after Thanksgiving. It'll be the kickoff to our holiday spirit here on the show, and then we're on to the next thing, which is giving away after hours swag. And soon we'll have a Christmas candy jar, and you can guess the number of pieces of candy so that will also come up either after thanksgiving or i'll try to get it done before but i, I can't promise
1: you need the latest after hours swag
3: boom you
1: are listening to the after hours podcast
4: dub sets up joe pump faking free of wiggins side steps left fires another three-pointer he gets a sixth in a row tonight cha a thunder money ball he's one away from his career high He's put on a shooting show in front of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in their building. 18, a season high for Joe. Baseline to Casey Wallace driving in the traffic. Finds Joe open. Left corner three by Isaiah. Joe, give him seven. He is having himself a night in San Francisco. Cha-ching, that is money ball number 19 for the Thunder in this game. Joe matched his career high with seven trays without a miss. 21 points, his first 20-plus point scoring game this season. Thunder by 21, a night high lead. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
0: The Thunder are four and one on the road. I don't know if that says anything significant, but the Warriors are one and five at home. That's fairly significant considering their road wars. <laughs> wars. They did have some wars considering their road wars. <laughs> I can't say it. Considering their road woes, a year ago. Whoa, that was a weird moment. For your host, that's supposed to talk for a living. I don't know why I even bothered. Uh, the Warriors and their road wars. There we go. It, let's just let's just go with it.
4: The it's, Warriors.
0: The the Woe the warriors. <laughs> I am a warrior. Uh, they're one in five at home though. That's disturbing. And Steph Curry is still out, which is also not optimal for them, especially at the same time that Draymond Green is serving a five game suspension. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Chris Ball back in the starting lineup, as was Jonathan Kaminga, Dario Saric. Uh, Clay Thompson was playing, but did not shoot well. In fact, he got the yeoman share of the defense from OKC because he's the only... Well, he's the best scorer on the team that was still available. One for ten from the floor. Uh, maybe still ticked off about how everything unfolded against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the the, the uh, Thunder had their way, able to shoot the lights out from beyond the arc, 19 of 32, yada, yada, yada. The big story is the fact that Draymond Green is serving a five-game suspension for putting a chokehold on Rudy Gobert and not letting go. And to me, that was the major issue. Now, we'd originally heard Steve Kerr say in the wake of the whole brouhaha and then the game where Clay and Draymond were tossed, as well as Jaden McDaniels of the Wolves, Steve had defended Draymond and said, hey, he was going in to get Rudy Gobert off of Clay Thompson. And I saw that too. Uh, The fact that Rudy had his arm, uh, his forearm, up against the ear and the jaw of Clay Thompson, I was actually surprised that he didn't get a flagrant foul because even if it's not intentional to hit another guy or to have another guy by the neck or the head, those are often called flagrant fouls regardless because you're not supposed to impact another player's head or neck. And then Draymond comes flying in and he drags Gobert away by his neck with a chokehold which is dangerous. Uh, he actually dragged him to the point where his knees buckled and he was pulling him backward. So Steve maybe didn't see that initially, uh, didn't say that after the game earlier this week, but following the five game suspension and their loss to OKC, he then expresses I would say his his dis disappointment but also his validation of the nba's punishment
1: he definitely took it too far um i didn't have a problem with him getting rudy off of clay because you know the rule of thumb is you don't put your hands on another uh, player on the other team you you take you you get your own guy and so i thought rudy was wrong for putting his arms on clay regardless of his uh, intentions i had no problem with raymond getting him off of him but he's got to let go. And he hung on for six, seven seconds. And uh, it was a terrible uh, visual for the league, for Draymond, for everybody. So Draymond was wrong. Um, He knows that. It's a bad look. The the five games is deserved. And, um, you know, we move forward. So Steve
0: Kerr changing his tune a little bit, but I would say that's probably to be expected, considering that when you watch the video, you see the difference between what Draymond did and what Rudy Gobert did. Again, I do think Gobert deserved to have a technical, deserved to get served a flagrant foul in the moment, but the officials deemed him a peacemaker. Fine. He got fined after the fact by the NBA and actually didn't like that. He said, that's not fair. They called me a peacemaker. Why am I getting fined? Well, the fine was because of where you were grabbing clay and where you had a hold of clay. But Steve makes a good point. This is the type of video that goes viral. It's the type of video that makes the NBA look like it's a bunch of thugs, which it's not, but that's what you get. If you never pay any attention to the NBA, all you do is see highlights on YouTube or you check it out on your favorite sports website. Or maybe you get an alert on your phone. Maybe TMZ has it. Or a news network has it. This is the only thing you see is Draymond Green dragging another man out of a skirmish with a chokehold. You think Latrell Sprewell. I mean, that's maybe one of the names that come to mind. Ron Artest at the Palace. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.